Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Johnny, writer and narrator of the Magnus Archives. And I'm Sasha. I play Georgie Barker on the Magnus Archives, and I write What the Ghost. And we've launched a games company. When we're not at Rusty Towers doing spooks, we create role-playing games as MacGuffin and Company. Each month, we put out a new world for you and your friends to explore using any role-playing system you like. They're full of places to go, people to meet and secrets to learn, as well as a juicy mini-campaign to play through. Hunt ghosts through space with harpoons. Ride a steam train through a psychedelic hellscape. Our settings are bite-sized and bizarre. And they're available in screen-reader-friendly, accessible formats. You can find all of our free games at mcguffinandcompany.com. And you can get more settings and goodies by supporting us on Patreon. Our first Patreon-exclusive micro-setting is Not Far to Bermuda. It's a fun cruise. And has been for 294 days and counting. Check it out at patreon.com forward slash mcguffinandcompany. That's patreon.com forward slash mcguffinandcompany. Thanks so much for listening. And enjoy the show. Hi everyone, Alex here. 
I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Jordan and Kelly Bryan, Ofek Barkol, Helen, Cheryl R. Hayes, Richard Gomasol, Emily Harford, Heather Nichols, Mary Allison, Gaia Turtle, Joe, Thomas Joseph Connolly, Benjamin Zilk, Jess, Andrew Fox, Matthew Sobiesk, Christine Abranilla, Casey Berry, Lauren Anthony, John Archibald Getty IV, Nicholas Cole. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. Rusty Quill presents The Magnus Archives Episode 144 Decrypted Martin Blackwood, assistant to Peter Lucas, head of the Magnus Institute, recording statement number 0090310, statement of uh, Gary Boylan, given October 3rd, 2009. Statement begins. It was grey. I remember that so clearly. And hot. But no sun. No sun at all. The sky had that thick layer of cloud that that catches the heat and it choked me on it. Fields and fields of yellow grass that went on forever, with rusted pylons looming over all of it. It was that, that appalling sort of summer you only get in the middle of England, with all the joy of the season stripped away, leaving endless fields of dry soil and emptiness. There was nothing to be done, nowhere to go, just watch and wait and think about the decay of it all. Walking among the detritus of the countryside is the surest way I know to find yourself close to the transience of humanity, seeing the little hints, the preview of what's to come for all of us, when the world no longer cares enough to keep us alive. Have you ever been driving along a motorway, passing through the middle of some rural nothing place when you spot in the distance, on some tiny road you have no idea how to reach, a row of three or four terraced suburban houses, just sitting there, no town or village for miles, just a weird, unattached little street. That's where I live. It's where I grew up, where I left forever, and then where I returned to after my mother died and my business collapsed. The two events were unrelated, but both happened close enough together that I ended up moving back in with my dad. I told myself it was to take care of him, but I'd been there five years before I knew it, and in a lot of ways the old man seemed more capable of dealing with the world than me. Not that he was supportive, God no. He'd been a vet for most of his life and spent a lot of that time working with livestock. I think all those years hanging around farmers must have rubbed off on him. 
He hated doctors, for instance. Something I always pointed out was absurd, given his own job. I'd say he was a vet, and he'd say, yeah, he was, and start talking about how many animals he'd put down in his career. I never had any interest in continuing the conversation after that. He'd always been blunt, but after Mum died, God, it was like his whole personality became callous. I should have left him to himself, but there was something about that dismal little house. All alone except for old Mrs. Witchaw on one side and the empty house that no one could sell on the other. Something kept me rooted there. Sleeping in a bedroom that hadn't changed since I was fifteen and caring for a man who I'd rather just shut up. We were both trapped there, I think. Bound together in a sort of wordless misery. I would look at him and see a grim sort of destiny for myself, trapped here until I became him, any future I might have had sacrificed to his. <sighs> I always used to go for long walks through the fields to try and escape for a bit. I usually managed to walk for about an hour and a half before my paranoia kicked in and I started to worry that he'd have a fall or something and have to head back. An hour and a half was plenty, though, for all the places I could go. We were a long way from any real trails, and... The most scenic things to see were rusted tractors, piles of discarded tyres, or the huge metal skeleton of an old disconnected power pylon. It was a bleak and empty rural wasteland, and when the summer heat hit, without shade or shelter, it was almost as relentlessly oppressive as that old man. But I still took my walks. It was this last August that it happened. I was about an hour into my walk having had a row with him about his failing eyesight, a subject that made him even more defensive than usual. I was passing by an old sheet metal barn when I heard it. I'd been listening to music as I walked, when my iPod abruptly cut out. I stopped where I was and took it out of my pocket, assuming I'd knocked it or somehow turned it off. But the screen was on, apparently playing music, though I didn't immediately recognise the song. I got a pretty sizable music collection, but I feel like I do know it pretty well. This one had no artists, no album, just the track name. Numbers. As I stared at it, I began to hear something from my headphones. It was a faint and tinny tone, like it was far off or, or produced by a low-tech synthesizer or something. The tone began to shift, and I realised that it was playing a tune. It seemed to be a crude rendering of the opening lies of the Sky Boat song. It only got through about a line and a half of the old folk melody before it abruptly cut off. There was a moment of silence before it was replaced by a voice, a, a man, but his voice was so distorted and pitch-shifted that it could have been anyone. It barely even sounded human as it, as it spoke in his strange monotone. Five. Nine. Three. Seven. Five. Six. Now, I'm not an idiot. I've heard about number stations. I know all about the Lincolnshire poacher and the Russian man. I know they've all got perfectly logical explanations and, and real-world uses for espionage and that. What that didn't explain is how a number station found its way onto my iPod. I checked, and his radio wasn't even on. It seemed to be coming from a music player, though... I had a look through my library and couldn't find anything that matched it. The sky was still grey. The sweat dripped off me as I sat against the rotting fence post, and the numbers just kept coming. Three, zero, five, eight, three, 
nine, two, eight, four, six. Eventually I staggered to my feet and began to make my way home. My footsteps were heavy and my hands shook slightly as I tried to steady myself. Do you know that one of the symptoms of a heart attack is literally a sense of impending doom? Well, I wasn't having a heart attack, but I think I know what they mean. What settled over me wasn't dread. There wasn't enough uncertainty for that. No, it was doom. I was certain that some sort of disaster was on the horizon. I'd walked less than a hundred yards when the numbers stopped coming and London Calling started playing again. That summer seemed to drag on forever. The boredom and irritation of trying to care for my dad was only heightened by the weather, and we were both feeling it. just didn't have anything to do. I don't really want to go into my living situation here, but it's enough to say I wasn't working a regular job, and while I could theoretically contact my old mates, they'd all gone on with their lives without me. The world had moved on. I was left behind. I did do a bit of research into number stations, but I didn't find anything new. I did find a couple of clips online, though, which were enough to convince me that what I'd been hearing had been a number station, or at least a passable imitation, although the voices on the proper recording sounded neutral, almost mechanical, very different to the grating, distorted mess I had heard. I couldn't get it out of my mind, though. What did it mean? What did any of it mean? took about a week of searching to find it again. To be honest, at the time I didn't even realise I was looking for it. I just found myself going further and further afield, retracing old routes for the sake of it. Always with my music cranked up so loud I couldn't hear the insects buzzing everywhere. I couldn't have told you why. Not really. At least not until I heard it again. That same tinny rendition of the Sky Boat song. And then... Four. Seven. Four. Nine. I stood there frozen for a moment, that strange feeling of doom returning in an instant. I checked my iPod and, sure enough, the radio was off, and it said it was playing a track called Numbers. It was fainter than it had been before, though, harder to pick out the exact numbers in the distortion and the quiet. So I began to walk again, this time paying close attention to the volume and clarity of the sound. One. Six. Fainter to the north. Two, eight, unchanged, going south. Three, zero, southeast was stronger. One, six, but began to weaken again after a mile or so. Five, zero, much stronger around the eastern hill. Four, nine, there, the pylon. That was it. Except, obviously, that wasn't it. It wasn't a broadcast tower, and there was nothing in or around it that could possibly have been sending out any signal. It was just a collection of old and twisted metal bars rising up into the half-collapsed power tower. It must have been decades since it had been anything other than a decaying steel obelisk. Even if that hadn't been the case, this wasn't a broadcast. This was, this was inside my iPod. It would have to be something else, something cutting-edge and new. For miles around me was nothing but droning insects and dismal English summer. Nonetheless, when I stood in the centre of the hollow, beneath that pylon's rusted corpse, the numbers came through crystal clear. Five, six, four, eight, four, six, four, 
seven, four, eight, two, seven. With each new number, my blood pounded and my heart raced, though I didn't have the faintest idea what they might have meant. I'd actually brought a notebook and pen, I now realised, just to write down the numbers. And so I did. Four hours I spent patiently jotting down the numbers. The Sky Boat song repeated every hour and a half, but I went through the sequence a few times just to assure myself I didn't change and I hadn't missed any. When I finally took out my headphones, the sudden rush of summer evening sounds hit me like a wave, leaving me reeling and dizzy. It took me a moment to realise how late it was, and how sunburned I had gotten in the process. Everything ached and my heart pounded as I limped home. I'd been out easily twice as long as any time before. But my dad didn't say a word about it. Just sat in front of the TV, laughing at some crappy panel show, smoking that god-awful pipe that left the wallpaper yellow and peeling. I remember thinking he wasn't content to just destroy himself. He seemed to have to take everything out around him. I didn't return to the pylon for a long time, except to confirm that the numbers weren't changing between days. I had them, though, and the numbers were all that mattered. I didn't know why. I'm sure there wasn't a reason. Not really, but I knew it was in there. Realistically, it would be impossible to decode it without whatever key the cipher might have been using. And honestly, for the longest time it seemed to be. I did as much reading as I could on cryptography and code breaking, and all of it seemed to point me towards one simple conclusion. Breaking this code by myself was simply impossible. But I still tried. I spent weeks in my room, desperately applying every method I had available. Nothing worked. But I didn't stop. The alternative was looking after my dad, whose recent breathing issues had left him more ratty than ever. So, I worked myself into exhaustion instead, staring at those meaningless strings of numbers until I almost collapsed and my eyes couldn't focus on anything. And that was when I realised. It wasn't the numbers. It wasn't the code. It's what was behind the numbers. Shifting and waiting and, and coming towards me like a tidal wave. And I knew what the message was. The urgent and terrible message. About the destruction that was coming on the heels of mankind. About the cold and cruel warmongers who play their games of code and conspiracy hidden behind the endless streams of numbers. And within those numbers are all of our dooms. If you know how to read them. And I read them. I read them all and saw the doom of everyone who lives and breathes and hopes for life and happiness. I fled the house. I ran as fast as I could to the pylon, the ruined place that knew all of the numbers, and I fell to my knees and wept. I begged it to spare us, to spare me, as I stared at the flesh I knew would redden and bubble and blister away to the bone beneath. I didn't need headphones to hear the numbers now. They were pouring from the air around me and threaded through my mind, and no matter how I begged, they would not stop. When I returned, the house was in ruins. The windows shattered and broken, glass strewn across the floor. There was nothing left of my dad, save a charred shadow on the wall, scorched through the plaster and into the now-exposed brick. All that was left of Mrs. Whitshaw was powdered bone, 
there are terrible things coming. Things that if we knew of them would leave us weak and trembling with shuddering terror at the knowledge that they are coming for all of us. We all made them and their course is already plotted. You can see them in the numbers. If you only learn how to read them. Statement ends. <clears throat> right. Another statement. Another side to Peter's extinction. I think. I... I couldn't follow some of his reasoning, but I think it was about nuclear weapons, or... Or maybe doomsday weapons? In keeping with the theme, I suppose. I just wish Peter would spend less time trying to convince me his new power is real, and more time telling me what he plans to do about it. And where I fit in. I mean, fine, I guess I believe... Come in. Mind if I join you? They're back. I thought you might want to know. Seems like it went smooth. Too smooth for Basira, sounds like. Keeps looking at John like she can't believe he made it back. I, uh, I mentioned our conversation to him. He asked me to chat Just on... leave. Sorry? Get out. Oh. Right. Sorry, I didn't... It's not difficult. Just get out. Fine. Fine. Just thought... No! No, you didn't! We're not... We're not friends, Daisy! None of us are. We're all just trapped together here and, and kidding ourselves that we don't hate it. Christ! There are more important things than, than feelings <sighs> right now, right? So just leave me alone. For good. Right. You got it. Well, I'm impressed. And grateful. I didn't do it for you. Even better. It's easier this way. I'm sure you'd have had no problem sending her away. I hadn't really thought about it. And now, thanks to you, I don't need to. Yeah, well, it seems to be your go-to move for dealing with anyone. I'm just not big on confrontation. You understand, I'm sure. We are not the same. Of course. So what now? Did you read it? Yeah. And? I believe you. You don't still think I'm trying to trick you into a grand ritual? I mean, I'm not about to start chanting stuff for you, but... But the details you've given me all seem to check out. So far. Good. So what's our next step? For you, keep researching. I'm sure we haven't found all the statements in here that deal with the extinction yet. One of the downsides of not serving the Ceaseless Watcher is that we have to actually look things up. Not to mention the fact that Gertrude was distressingly good at obfuscation. The more you know about our enemy, the better. And you? I have my own explorations I need to attend to. And a, um, meeting to arrange. For you. For me? I'm absolutely delighted with your progress, and I feel you've earned some straight answers. But not from you. Oh no! That sort of conversation makes me very uncomfortable. No, I'm owed a favour by a friend of mine. I've asked him to stop by when he's back in the country. You're not just going to tell me, maybe? When have I ever? 
Oh, come now. What would life be without the occasional twist? Oh, speaking of which, I've had a report of a workplace dispute in the library, and I would value your input. I'm trying to get out of the habit of, what did you call it, sending them away? Fine. The Magnus Archives is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode was written by Jonathan Sims and directed by Alexander J. Newell. To subscribe, view associated material, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill. Visit us on Facebook or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Join our communities on the forum via the website or on Reddit at r slash the Magnus Archives. Thanks for listening. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.